The year was 1943, and the countries involved in World War II were in a desperate race to become the first to harness the power of the atom and develop nuclear weapons. German scientists grew closer every day, and their research and development was greatly aided by a rare liquid that was only produced in the captured country of Norway. The Allies needed a way to take out production of that liquid, and the brave resistance fighters of Norway were ready and willing to pitch in. This week on HPH, we're telling you the exciting, little-known tale of these brave Norwegian commandos and the daring raid that kept Hitler from getting the A-bomb. So, grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History titled, The Norwegian Resistance. Listen all of y'all, it's a sabotage. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So... Grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. All right, welcome in, everyone. Ladies, gents, boys, goyles, welcome to 100 Proof History. Um, the recording of that intro actually took like 10 minutes because <laughs> I think Chris is already drunk, but, uh, hey, well. you know what? Luckily we have an excellent producer in, uh, Wolf Dick, mm-hmm. not related to Dick Wolf, as we have to contractually point out very often. Um, luckily we have such a great producer that that was all edited down. So you didn't have to experience the same torture that we did of Chris <laughs> trying to get the lines right. Chris, how are you? I'm great. I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> I feel sorry for everyone who has to uh, endure this on our end. Obviously, like you said, Wolf Dick will edit this and make me sound like I'm yeah. coherent. And the production team you're apologizing to. Yes. Yes. Except for Dan. Fuck that guy. Oh, it's the worst. But no, um... If you guys don't know, we do this thing now for our Patreon subscribers where we record a video with current events and new news topics and stuff like that. And we do that before our shows. And it's called the new hangovers. But, uh, you know, used to the old hangovers, the things you would find on our Patreon were recorded after when I was nice and toasted. So I kind of got in the spirit where I just drank a whole bunch Um before we started recording that new hangover and it has absolutely nothing to do with my personal life and how, uh, you know, just, just fantastic. That's fucking going right now. You know, swimmingly, (laughs) swimmingly. Oh, maybe I lost my job as a janitor at Jack in the box. We don't know. We don't know. It's just something here. Who can say? Who can say? You know what? They can't make me wear a mask or get vaccine. (laughs) Vaccined. God damn it. <laughs> oh, you're a drunk fucking idiot. I anyway. know. This is this is going to take a while, uh, but you guys won't notice. But yeah, uh, welcome. Welcome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm having a great time. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well, man. Good. Doing well. I was feeling like crap earlier in the day. Had people over yesterday and, uh, you know, watching football. Mm-hmm. Drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, As you will. And, and just, uh, I'm paying for it today. But, fucking hair of the dog that bit you. Yes. I took a 200 milligram caffeine pill. Mm-hmm. 
uh, chased it down with a lot of whiskey and tip top now, baby. Yes. Mm. Oh, that's exciting because we're getting to some World War II stuff, man. We're getting to uh, like a little known story from World War II, which is a little bit surprising that I had never heard of this before. Ever. Samesies, bro. Samesies. Yeah. And this is a big deal. And I'm a, I'm a World War II aficionado. Yes. And I hadn't as, heard of this. So. As our Hangover listeners know, because one of them asked Gregory what his favorite, or what our favorite eras in history were, and he uh, he picked World War II. I picked the era between the Civil War and World War One, and that's why he has to suffer through all those stories from that era when mm-hmm. we're putting together these shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, no, man, that that is it is a crazy story. I'm I'm looking forward to telling these people about this stuff. Um, you know, it's just it's so crazy how close Hitler came to this bomb, and we never knew. You know, well, yeah, it's kind of like uh, my best friend in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a sleepover once, and um, he was asleep, and he'll never know how <laughs> close I came to him. <laughs> You know, so I don't know. That's that's the only thing I had to follow that up with. I apologize to uh, <laughs> to you, him, to the listener, oh. and to my friend, former friend, yeah, for completely separate, also sexual reasons. You know what? It's okay. I was awake and I wanted it to happen, and you backed off at the last second. And I was like, "You motherfucker!" I was gonna <laughs> lean fully into this. Well, you know, I just figured when I put that shaving cream in in your hand and. Tickled your nose and you didn't move that maybe I could get a little more liberal with what I was doing. In hindsight, I need to be canceled. Yes. Yes, you do. Uh, but we have a whole show to do, so we'll cancel you after. How about that? Sound okay. Good? Yeah, fine. Well, Gregory, today our source is The Winter Fortress by Neil Bascom. Um, enjoyed it. Thought it was pretty good. It was a pretty good book, you know? Yeah, it was riveting. Yes. Um, The only thing that drove me a little crazy, you know, it's a very good book. I finished it very quickly, but there are some things I will say negatively. I'm not going to get down on my knees and praise Neil Bascom like I, you know. With my mouth. Yes. But no, the only thing that drove me a little bit crazy and some of the things you won't hear in this episode are, and then... They came close to being killed, but they weren't. You're like, okay, all right. You just wasted 10 pages of my life. Like, oh, oh God, it's getting very suspenseful. This guy's, oh. Which is, that's a good 30 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Having to sound out the words and Mm -hmm. 10 pages. God damn it. Yeah. Having to read with my finger each word. Mm -hmm. Boop, boop, boop. And I'm reading on a tablet, so every time I touch it, it changes the page. I'm like, God, no, go back. Just trying to sound out this word. Nasal? No, 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 nasal. Nazi. Oh, I should have known. I should have known. I should have known from right from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's a very good book. Uh, very enjoyable. Recommend it if you don't get everything you need from us today. Which you will. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of empty promises like that, and right when it's over, I'm like, sorry, babe, that's your problem now. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> oh, we can't cuddle. I can't sleep like that. It's too hot. You know what really helps me fall asleep is watching drag races. Let's turn that on right now. Full volume. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> See you tomorrow, uh, baby. And these are actually, they're drag queens that are on a track. <laughs> yes, <laughs> dead sprint. Yeah, that's yeah, not <laughs> what you were thinking. <laughs> but with that said, Christopher, uh, are you ready to fill the people in on what the Norwegian resistance was all about? I've never been more ready for anything in my entire life. All right, well, show your penis. Let's go. I was saying something because I'm not ready for this at all. <laughs> <laughs> in April of 1940, the German army moved into Norway. Within hours, Norwegian royal family, parliament, and cabinet members had all fled the country, and it was surrendered to the Germans by a Nazi-loving traitor named Vigkund Quisling. Even if the Norwegian army had put up much of a fight, they would have gotten steamrolled by the Wehrmacht. Because of that, the faithful people of Norway were forced to resort to forming an underground resistance movement. One of the biggest figures in the resistance was a man named Leif Tronstad, a scientist and college professor at the Norwegian Institute of Technology, the same school he had graduated from. Following his graduation, he had helped research advances in the field of electrochemistry and had consulted with the local hydroelectric company, Norsk Hydro, in the development of heavy water. So, uh, I bet you're like, heavy water? What is that? It's like, it's like when Greg's mom gets in a pool. <laughs> You've earned this silence. I want you to know that. <laughs> It was an awful joke. It's the best I got right now, okay? I'm doing my best. <laughs> my dad always said, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, just do your best. And then he dropped his pants, and I don't remember what happened afterward, but... What uh, in the fuck? <laughs> God. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Very inappropriate right off the bat. Yes. God. We normally like... Ease into it. Yeah, after some drinks. But I guess you've... Yeah. You've acknowledged you've had some drinks. It's like a cold pool. You put your feet in and then you kind of like wade in. I'm like, no, cannonball into this motherfucker. Here we go. <laughs> well... If you're wondering what heavy water is, I won't bore you with the scientific mumbo-jumbo that I uh, totally understood, even before our main source spelled it out for me. And of course, because they spelled it out, and I had that prior knowledge, I still completely understand what heavy water is. Can you explain it like I'm five? Well, Greg, basically a shitload of regular water is filtered through a series of electrolysis cells and a small fraction of it gains an extra neutron in the hydrogen molecule, uh, making it heavier than regular water, giving it the atomic weight of two instead of one. Okay. Um, I don't know what five-year-old would understand that. Can you explain <laughs> it like I'm two? <laughs> um, no. How about that? Fuck you guys. I don't, I don't know how to explain that. Do you have an explanation? For two-year-olds, they can make that make sense. Well, I'm asking you just to dumb it down a little bit. Okay, let me see if I can try. So, we take water, we put electricity into the water, and somehow some of that water, not all of it, but some of that water gets heavier. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Explain it like my head is sticking out of the vagina 
with <laughs> the body to follow and a couple more pushes. Gotcha. Wah, 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 wah. Atomic weight. Oh. Yeah. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank yes. You. Well, big fucking deal, right? It's it's heavier. Okay, heavy water. Who, who, who gives a shit, right? Uh, how does that make it useful? Well, when it was first developed, the dudes at Norse Hydro didn't really know either. They just thought it was kind of neat and sciencey, So they tried to sell it to labs around the world. Like putting nail polish remover on, uh, like styrofoam when you were a kid. <laughs> Shit. It's amazing. I harness the power of the gods. It just <laughs> completely melts. <laughs> like squirting some lemon into a baking soda or whatever. The volcano erupts. We can make bombs out of this. Oh, my God. I'm, I will be an unstoppable force. That's that's a lesson I learned in 10th grade. And I'm like, I can finally get back at those bullies and picking on me. Just turn the whole school into a volcano. <laughs> All I have to do is switch out the lunches with pure baking soda. <laughs> and I'll be unstoppable. Would anyone notice? Would they? <laughs> I mean, this pizza is really dry today. It's <laughs> weird. It's also a, a heaping mound of white powder. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Yes. Oh, it would have worked, but I got caught, man. Got caught. Sent to alternative school. Never finished high school. Decided to turn my life around. Research history. Set a podcast. It's not gone well. It's Things could have been so much better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I blame the bullies. They brought this upon you people. Oh, they completely did it. It's their fault. <laughs> they had it coming. Trench coat mafia for life. Oh, sorry. oh God. <laughs> well, no one else knew what to do with heavy water. In fact, scientists joke that since heavy water froze at 4 degrees Celsius instead of the uh, typical 0 degrees Celsius, it was only good for building better skating rinks. Norsk was the only company in the world making heavy water, because again, nobody fucking knew what to do with it. No idea. Turns out, it takes an insane amount of energy to make it, and it would cost many countries a fortune to produce. But Norsk owned Vemork Power Station, which sat under a dam on Lake Tinja, near the village of... Greg, help me here? Ryukon. Ryukon. Um... Just so you guys know, a lot of Norwegian words in this story for some fucking reason. And uh, while I read the whole thing with my stupid American English eyes, I didn't actually look up how to pronounce anything, but Greg has saved the day once again. He's uh, he's looked all this stuff up, so if I say something stupid and he corrects me, you know, you should really just feel sorry for me because uh, I'm doing the best I can. I also have like a hundred... Nordic tattoos. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm actually going to embarrass myself here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it my best shot. Well, Vemork was the largest hydroelectric power station in the world in 1939 and produced enough electricity for the company to produce hydrogen and heavy water. But like I said, no one wanted heavy water. By 1939, Norsk was only producing 40 kilograms of it a year and they decided to shut down the production of it entirely. But in 1939, German scientists discovered that if you bombard the element uranium with neutrons, it changes the uranium into an enriched form that can produce massive amounts of energy. 
Then, in 1939, old wacky Hitler declared war on everyone, and both the Allies and the Germans began toying with the idea of using uranium to make weapons. Classic Hitler. Yeah. Classic. Crazy. <laughs> that dude. Oh, I didn't get into art school. Time to take over Poland, I guess. <laughs> I'm Hitler. Well, yep. Everybody's crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. Yep. Literally Hitler. It would be my uncle. My uncle at Thanksgiving, if he had that kind of power, would invade Poland and probably, you know, the Holocaust. But you know what? He's a fun guy once you uh, talk football or something with him. Uh-huh. Unless one of the uh, minority athletes makes a mistake and then <laughs> it's wheels off. You know, you're joking, but it's 100% accurate with that uncle that I'm thinking of. Or he gets... I he assumed. Gets Gets first down and does the hand signal for first down. And that uncle goes, act like you've done it before, racial slur. You're like, <sighs> are you kidding? No, I'm not Actual joking. Actual racial slur? Yes. That is. Whew. Yeah. Family sucks. That's all I'm saying. Family's the worst. Yeah. And then he slips up in your drink at Thanksgiving, and you don't remember the next day, and yeah. Ah, now we're back to HPH, Uncle. <laughs> yes, we're back to that. Okay. Let's, okay. let's make it okay. Let's make it less tense. <laughs> less tense. <laughs> yes. Uncle rape. <laughs> yes. It's way better than racism. Have you been canceled lately? Because I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pivot quickly. <laughs> okay. Well, wouldn't you know it? When they were developing uranium weapons, they discovered that heavy water slowed the neutrons down and made the process more efficient. They would later learn they could use the heavy water to turn uranium into plutonium, which produced even more energy for bombs. Has a higher atomic weight. Yeah. It was uh, 94, I think. Element 94, whatever they called it. Uh, the Americans actually came up with the name plutonium later. But uh, if I said element 94, you know, our 12-year-olds our wouldn't know. But I say plutonium. They're like, oh, after the dog. The dog from Mickey Mouse who couldn't talk, but Goofy was a dog and could talk. But I guess Pluto, like, had some mental deficiencies. He never learned how to speak. I think he was named after the planet. Oh, no, 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 no. He was named... He was named after the planet, but the element was named after him. See, that's science. You don't know that, but uh, that's science. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> I may have just made that up on the spot, but these guys aren't going to go look it up on their phones Nobody right now. Tell. Nobody yeah. can tell. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. <laughs> that vote of confidence means the world to me. It really <laughs> does. So, when the Germans invaded Norway, they marched straight into Weimark and demanded that the heavy water production be increased dramatically. They said with a few upgrades, they could make like, I don't know, like 1.5 kilograms a day, which is still like 10 times what they've been producing before. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, but the Germans were like, that's cute, honey. But we want 5,000 kilograms a year. <laughs> oh, shit. Mm. That's a whole lot. That's a whole lot. The Norwegians, who didn't know hardly anything about uranium and bombs, had no clue as to why the Nazis needed so much, but they did find it hard to believe when the Germans said they were sending it to a quinine factory to make tonic water, 
Topo Chico? Yeah. Mm, no wonder there's a shortage. Yeah. We have all this gin and no water. What do we do? <laughs> well, that brings us back to Life Tronstadt, who was working as a professor by day and a spy for the English by night. Which is way better than my night job. It's a mouth hooker under the bridge. <laughs> a mouth hooker, specifically. <laughs> yes, yeah. I only do mouth stuff. I bet that drives up the price of the butt stuff. You know, when you <laughs> identify yourself as specifically mouth only, yeah. then people like that are really horny. Yeah. You're a richer clientele. Yeah. Might be inclined to be like, well, how much is the fucking butt? Yeah, the truckers who own their own trucking companies are there like, whoa, slow down, honey. Listen, what's the fucking butt price? Put up <laughs> no. or shut up. <laughs> In September 1941, Jomar Brun, the head of the Weimork plant, came to Tronstadt and told him the Germans were super horny for heavy water. They were like, send us more pictures of Greg's mom in that pool. <laughs> Got him again, guys. Thinking heavy water is just like early attempts at KY. <laughs> Give me that fucking lube now. Yeah, we need this shit. They're all hopped up on meth on the front lines, and everybody knows meth makes you super horny, but also super impotent. Everybody knows that, right? Do they? Everybody's experienced that? that? It's common experience. That's a regular thing that people experience. <laughs> yeah, I ain't taking a shit in two weeks because of this fucking heroin. <laughs> yeah. Normal, normal right, people guys? stuff. <laughs> Sit in the middle of a football game, eating some chicken wings, drinking some beer with your buddies. Man, I hate how heroin won't let me take a shit, right? <laughs> you you kiss the last fucking wing. See you in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking good wings. Thanks for having me over, Uncle Steve. <laughs> yeah. It's the awkward neighbor that you saw outside while all your friends are pulling in for the game wearing their jerseys. Hey, you like football? I like football a whole lot, man. What are you doing this afternoon? You you want to come over watch the game? Well, actually, my, my friends are here to watch the game. Uh, you busy or? You want to come over? Yeah. Well, it depends. You going to have any minorities there or not? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Well, if, if so, I'll just cover up this tattoo real quick. I'll put on my jersey. They won't know. Any kids gonna be there? Well, yeah, my my daughter's gonna be there. So, oh, no, it'd be against the law for me to go on over. Shit, I gotta move. I know you had kids. <laughs> oh. Anywho. That's, that's my uncle. <laughs> and your uncle combined into yes, all this uncles. wacky character. Well, it was around this same time that the German secret police, a.k.a. the Gestapo, was arresting, imprisoning, torturing, and executing members of Tronstad's resistance ring. So he, uh, you know what? He decided to live the dream. He ditched his wife and kids and oh. fled to England. Just, oh. I tried that on my wife. Sorry, baby. War calls. <laughs> She's like, but we've removed all the troops from Afghanistan. Ah, uh, 
but no. Yeah, if there's still some members left behind, I'm going back for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to save. You can thank Sleepy Joe for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, he fled to England, where he hoped to gain support for the Norwegian resistance. And, you know, maybe find a hot English piece. It was all war horny, because her guy was across seas, you know? Do those exist? Uh, well, you know. We all have our standards, Greg, and they change during wartime. That's true. Yeah. When I was in Iraq and Afghanistan, we called them desert queens. Yeah. Because, man, that is, uh, that's valuable over there and very rare. Mm-hmm. Then they come back to the U.S. And um, life has a way of uh, crashing down on you <laughs> once you've built yourself up a lot. Yeah. It's just like in 2003 where you were over there serving your country. I was back here. Our country. Yeah, my your country. <laughs> you were rooting for the other guys. I fucking knew it. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just, you just want the under, underdog to win, man. You just want to pull that Jesus one out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. No. Different joke. Um, back while you were doing that, I was here and you had the war drive on. You couldn't have nylon anymore because they needed it for, you know, to drive up supplies for the war. So I had what? to give up my... St- I'm making a World War II joke in 2003. Come on, man. Oh, keep okay. up. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't fucking... I wasn't here. I don't know if <laughs> they, you're joking or not. They needed it for parachutes. And so I couldn't have nylons. I couldn't wear my stockings for the truckers. So I also sacrificed. Uh, I also called I'm, myself... I'm sorry a- that I ruined... That, that was actually <laughs> a good joke. I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I also called myself a desert queen. But, you know, different reasons. I was just uh, at a Reno, Nevada truck stop. You know? Yeah. So, don't quite compare, but... I was pretending to be Iraqi so I could root for their country, and then the truckers should take out the aggression on me and be patriots. <laughs> oh, what have this we is done? The worst podcast in the history of Where are we going? I don't know. Every day we stray further from God's light. I once listened to a podcast about grass and the types of grass you could have in your front yard. And this is worse than that fucking podcast. We have just ruined podcasting for everyone. You also wanted to start a podcast on boats. so Yeah, it would have worked. Unlike this shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, once Life Tronstad was in Britain, it took almost no time for him to hook up with English intelligence. When he told the Brit scientists about Hitler's heavy water obsession, they were like, oh shit, oh, oh, sh- oh, oh, fuck, we, oh, shit, oh, we gotta do something about Vamork, oh, fuck. He's like, what? what? I don't even know what the big deal is, it's just fucking Greg's mom in a pool, but there it is, okay, I guess, alright, let's fucking do something about it. Wearing just the tiniest thong, too. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> you know, she might make me reconsider my proclivities. I'm just saying. That woman had a penis. <laughs> 10 no, out of 10. It's over. 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, the Brits proposed aerial bombardment, but Tronstad told them that was a pretty stupid fucking idea. The electrolysis cells that produced heavy water were in the armored basement of the building, and the bombing would probably just kill a shitload of civilians. Foreshadowing. Instead, he proposed to send a team of Norwegians into the plant to sabotage the cells. Well, the Brits liked Tronstad's moxie so much, 
they put him in charge of pretty much all of the British-aided Norwegian resistance. And he soon began to form his team for the raid on Vemork. First, they needed a man on the ground who could give them updates on the comings and goings of the plant. That man was Einar Skinnerland. You guys all know who that is, so I don't even need to explain. Well, just skip yep. to the next part of the story. Got it. Uh, okay, fine. There's probably a few people who don't know. They've never heard the name, right? Pfft. Casuals. Yep. Well, in 1940, Skinnerland was working as construction supervisor at Vemork, but like Tronstad, he was moonlighting as a spy and saboteur. In March of 1942, he told his family he was going hunting, and he strapped on his skis and began his trek into the mountains. In reality, he was booking it out of Norway before the Gestapo could find out that he was a resistance member. Just fighting along Ray and Finn and Poe, trying to take down the First Order in the best trilogy of the Star Wars movies. I hate you so much right now. I know, I just wanted to make you angry right there. <laughs> it's the second best trilogy. Is it? You don't think it's better than episodes one through three? <sighs> I enjoyed two and three. I'm not going to lie. Not very good, though. I enjoyed the first one of this latest trilogy, and the second two I thought were just god-awful movies that made no fucking sense. I can see where you're coming from. The first one was the best. Yeah, because it was just a copy of New Hope. You're like, oh, it's really good. <laughs> yes, it very much was. <laughs> Except now there's two Lukes. Except in the next two, the other Luke just kind of becomes a dude. Nazis. Yeah, let's get back to this story, I guess. Nazis. Nazis. Well, along the way, on his escape from Norway, Skinnerland fell and injured his knee and had to have surgery, but did so without anesthesia, because he worried it might slow him down. The day after the surgery, he hijacked a boat with a revolver and demanded passage to England. Well, once he was in England... Tronstad congratulated him on his escape, gave him 10 days of commando training, and told him they wanted Skinnerland to parachute right back into Norway. Like all this shit this dude went through to get there. Okay, uh, surgery on my knee with no anesthesia, just biting the fucking spoon, pouring brandy right into my mouth, just, ah, give it to me. Let's do it, Doc. <laughs> Stole a fucking boat. You know, GTA shit. And you get to that second GTA mission, and you're like, hey, go back over there. What the fuck, man? God damn Come it. On. I thought I was on a new part of the island. Jeez, this is bullshit. I just unlocked the new map. God damn it. It's probably an escort mission. I might have to wait for this slow-ass NPC to crawl across the ground while I'm getting shot at. This is horseshit. <sighs> I wish I was on more escort missions. <laughs> As the escort. Yes, of course, yeah. To a rich, handsome mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> lady. <laughs> Wolf Dick's going to edit this part out, but my wife listens, so I, you know, I have to say lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Nazis had no idea who Skinnerland was, and everyone thought he was still hunting, so he was the perfect dude to send back to Vemork. The English gave him radio operator training and told him to provide updates on the plant's defenses and the weather conditions. He quickly began to send back word that the plant was sparsely guarded, but the Germans were significantly upping the heavy water production capabilities. 
The rest of Tronstad's team was assembled for men who had likewise fled Norway for England. Jans Anton Poulsen, a former member of the Norwegian military, was placed in charge of the team. Joining him was Arne Kilstrup, a plumber, Newt Hogland, a carpenter's son, just like Jesus, and Poulsen's boyhood, and Poulsen's boyhood friend, Klaus Helberg. Together, they formed the four-man team that would be known as Operation Grouse. I'm, I'm sorry, what's a grouse? It's like a bird or something. I don't know. It is a bird or something. It's like a lame-ass bird. Not a cool operation name, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the summer of 1942, Operation Grouse trained in shooting from the hip, hand-to-hand combat, and explosives. They all trained under the assumption that they'd be parachuting back into Norway to train resistance cells. On October 18th, they dropped back into Norway with a lot of supplies, but missed their targeted landing zone by 20 miles. They missed their landing zone by 20 miles? Yeah. <sighs> that, uh, that seems like a lot. Eh, it's but okay. Yeah. Luckily, it's a one-off and won't happen again. Never. That won't be an issue going forward. No. Reading this part and reading a little bit, I thought I came up with a business idea for you and me, where we start a uh, commando training, like, summer camp for, like, 40-year-old dudes who never did anything with their lives. Or dudettes. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Dudes in in drag, yes. Um, As long as there's a penis. Yes, as long as there's a penis. I don't don't really care about anything else. You must have a penis, <laughs> yes, which that's... is exactly what I was trying to avoid by saying dudettes, <laughs> but here we are. But no, I thought, yeah, let's come up with this, this super awesome summer camp where they go plant explosives, learn how to be commandos and fight hand to hand. And then somebody goes back to, you know, their suburb and murders the shit out of the mailman because it looks suspicious. And then we get sued and we shut down everything. And it, you know, the idea kind of fell apart from there. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You don't but, want to uh, just willy-nilly give everyone training or really the ability to uh yeah to have license to wield deadly weapons and such. Yeah, I still feel bad about that pilot school I was running in Florida back in 2000. Don't do it. That don't don't terrible. you fucking do it. <laughs> well, I was going with the joke that here in Texas, uh-huh, you can just carry a fucking gun Anywhere. No license. <laughs> yeah. But by God, if I detect that fetal heartbeat, oh, oh yeah. You son of a bitch. I don't <laughs> care if you were raped. I don't care. I don't care if it was your 13-year-old uncle. Too far? 13-year-old uncle? Yes. Did the raping? Yes. Too far. Just go. You know, I, uh, I always wanted a first cousin, but not mm-hmm. that way. Second cousin? <laughs> Would be second cousin with the uncle? But not that way. Yeah. No, never not that way. that way. Never that way. Thanks, Texas. Yeah. Stay fucking classy. What if you shoot the fetus with your unlicensed firearm? Is that okay? Is that a crossing a line? Is the fetus a minority? <laughs> <laughs> this is Texas we're talking about. <laughs> Greg Abbott got my back. <laughs> yeah. 
He ain't got no legs, but he got your back. God. <laughs> He's got oh. legs. Okay. <laughs> they just don't function much yeah. like his morals and ethics. Yes, fair enough. Are we still talking about Nazis and stuff, or what? I just said Greg Abbott. Oh, fair enough. Yes. <laughs> Within like 45 seconds, man, just double gold. You just pulled the Michael Phelps of podcasting. You're just like... Psh, psh, psh. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Well, after they missed their landing zone, it was then that Polson told his men their real mission. They were to ski 45 miles across the Vita Plateau and mark a landing zone for two English gliders full of sappers. I like that term. It's basically guys who carry bombs. That's what a sapper is. It just sounds mm. cool. The Norwegians would then guide those English sappers to Vemork, and the Brits would take out the guards, blow up the heavy water cells, and they'd all escape to Sweden, and then back to England for tea and scrumpets. And little known fact, the Norwegians weren't big fans of this plan, and they considered it to be a suicide mission for the Brits. The Gestapo didn't play around and had already executed hundreds of Norwegians who resisted them. That same October, Hitler had issued an order that said any enemies captured during a commando raid would be given no quarter and would be executed. Gotta wear underpants or he's gonna fucking kill you. That's what I learned. <laughs> you gotta at least have a thong on. <laughs> the jock strap. You know, just indicates you're <laughs> ready to go, baby. <laughs> oh, that asshole's still so accessible in the jock strap. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Norway, things weren't going very well for Operation Grouse. Their skis weren't properly waxed, and there were constant snowstorms making their trek incredibly difficult. They were low on food, and they were on the verge of starvation. The radio the Brits had given them didn't come with an antenna poles, but it did come with a dead battery that had Made in England stamped on it, which would mean instant execution if they were caught with that battery. Smart. Just planning ahead here. Still, they pressed onward and pulled over 500 pounds of supplies with them over two weeks. By November 9th, they had reached their destination and had secured a new radio battery and had made contact with London. They were ready to guide the gliders in with red flashlights and a radio beacon system known as Eureka. Unfortunately, the weather in Norway continued to be shit, so the raid, now known as Operation Freshman, was put off until November 19th. You know what, Greg? When I was young, I knew everything. Shino Puncarelli never took advice. Now I'm guilt-stricken sobbing with my hands on the floor. Stopping something, something. Baby's breath. Baby's breath. I don't know the rest of the words of this fucking song. It's ver verve pipe. Verve, yeah, the verve pipe, yeah. Stopping baby's breath. Never took advice. Come on, man. <laughs> we were only freshmen. That's where I'm getting eventually. It's okay. taking a while. Okay. There we go. Yeah. That joke's for local Lou or only adult listener left who understood that. I was going to make a uh, Operation Sophomore joke right <laughs> after that, but uh, you've really stolen the thunder. Yes, so. that's what I do. I ruin things. And then you shit on the thunder. <laughs> so, right, here we are. Well, on the night of the 19th, the English sappers climbed into two gliders, Glider A and Glider B. They were each pulled by a 350-foot rope attached to a Halifax bomber. 
Oh, they came up with those names. Should be smart. A and B. Hey, genius. Yep. Including the flight crews, a total of 48 men lifted off and headed across the North Sea for Norway. Near Vemork, the men of Operation Grouse set up the red flashlights and began to listen to the Eureka system. At 9.40 p.m., they heard the beeps of that system and the low hum of engines filled the air, but the gliders didn't appear. Up above, the pilots of the first Halifax pulling glider A were lost as fuck. They were low on fuel and decided to turn back to Scotland, but ice began to form on the wings and the propellers. The pilots dropped to a lower altitude trying to get to warmer air, but the massive turbulence caused by the lower warmer air snapped the tow line to the glider. The glider A helplessly fell into a spin and smashed into the mountains. Nine men were killed instantly, and of the nine survivors, most were too injured to even move. Well, Glider B's line had also snapped, but the brave heroic glider pilots had managed to crash land it. They died in the process, but of the 15 remaining sappers, only one was killed in the crash. The Halifax bomber that pulled Glider B, however, had gotten lost in the clouds and crashed into a mountain, killing everyone on board. Didn't even make it to those towers. Sad. Like, you couldn't just have two ropes? Yeah. Come on, man, it's the war. We need those ropes for other operations. I'm also ignoring your 9-11 joke. No, that's fine. I I appreciate that. (laughs) You're a piece of shit. (laughs) The survivors of Glider B were lost and injured and knew they needed help. Two men went to the nearest village they could find and pleaded for assistance. Unfortunately for them, the sheriff of the town alerted the German authorities. The English sappers knew they had to surrender and expected to be taken to a POW camp. Instead, the following morning, the Gestapo took them to the woods and executed them one by one. They were buried in a shallow grave on the beach by Polish POWs. Well, guys. After that, the local leader of the Gestapo, Heinrich Fahles, was absolutely pissed at the way the English soldiers had been treated. That shit wouldn't stand. Are you fucking kidding me? You just straight up murdered them? You couldn't just execute commando prisoners. You have Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. No. Come on, man. Let's be civilized here. Let's let's get our shit together. You have to torture the shit out of them first. Yeah, you gotta extract info. Come on, man. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Cuck executioners. When the Germans discovered the survivors of Glider A, they killed the four men who were too injured to be moved, and then brought the surviving five to a Gestapo detention facility in Oslo and tortured the shit out of them. Among their belongings recovered at the crash were silk maps with the Vemork power pant... God, power pant. Power pants. That's what my mom wears. Her Bob haircut and her friend Denise, who she says is just a friend, but, you know, they're always playing golf together on weekends. This doesn't even seem like a trope. This seems like a a real life situation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, among their belongings recovered at the crash were silk maps with the Vemork power plant circled. Real smart, guys. Just... I don't know. Here's all this information of the shit we're going to do. The old, uh, the trail with the X <laughs> yeah. for the buried treasure. <laughs> yeah. 
can't disguise it in some way. The weird thing about these maps is they did have a path of escape, but it was the path they weren't going to take, like to throw them off after the bombing. The like, guys, let's, <laughs> what if we get caught? But why not, like, if you're going after something, <laughs> put like a, a smiley face on it. Yeah. But then an X on where you're actually like, or not going for, but yeah. the place you want to lead people to believe you're going for. Yeah. If you're going to have a false escape route, then obviously you're concerned about the map being divulged to the enemy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I get you. I Am do. I fucking stupid? No. No, the Brits... Thank you. We've talked about <laughs> this you, before. The English kind of half-ass shit when it comes to war. And they just kind of come up with half of a plan and think, oh, that'll work. Because we're English and we're smarter than everybody. Uh, we talked about a lot in the World War One series. And it's kind of this, like, oh... Uh, they won't find these maps until well after we're out of the plant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're geniuses. Now, let's put these people in balsa wood plains and drop them into the middle of a snowy fucking mountain range and see what happens. I don't know. It's, it'll be fine. They'll land perfectly. I remember the first time I learned what gliders were. Mm-hmm. It was through a video game called Company of Heroes. Yeah. And I thought it was laughably dumb. Yeah. And then I found out, wait, that shit's fucking real? (laughs) What? But like in this story, you see a a lot of them aren't so successful. No. no, But that is wild. I think we talked about it in another episode, just how these things basically are designed to crash and kill the pilots. Sorry, guys. Like, how how are you even a pilot of a glider? You're like, I don't know. Here we go, guys. It's like a... Uh, the office where Dwight gets in trouble on the boat and he tells him he can steer the boat up front. So he's just driving the fake wheel. It's kind of what it feels like, you know, the kid in the cockpit, like, I'm the pilot. <laughs> oh shit. Here comes a mountain. Pull up. Pull- oh, this doesn't do anything. Oh God. <laughs> anyway, serious history, Greg. Over the following five days, the English sappers were beaten and abused and eventually they all gave up the raid plot. They were then blindfolded, taken to a freshly dug hole, and executed. You're just making jokes. You feel good about that? Yeah. Okay. Well, now the Germans knew that Weimork was a major target. They installed machine gun nests, moved 200 soldiers into Ryukin, Ryukin, and fortified the power (laughs) plant. Operation Freshman had been a complete and total failure, and taking down the heavy water cells was going to be a lot more difficult. Or would it? Whoa. We'll find out. Greg tells us, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. I just like to throw out, like, oh, yeah, it's going to get bad. It's going to get awful. And Greg's like, oh, no, it's fine. He comforts me, tucks me in. He's like, oh, no, 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 there's no monsters, baby. Kiss me on the forehead. I go to sleep. I sleep, you know, just perfectly while he spoons me. Just like, you know, growing up. So anyway. We'll be right back. All right, we are back from break. Bad news for you, Gregory, and you especially, Wolf Dick. I had more to drink, 
during that break. I just, I don't want to stop him. Ulysses S. Grant, you know, I'm kind of a hero in that regard. Or just start drinking and don't stop. But uh, I'm feeling good, man. Feeling good. I feel like that was a good first half of the story. We got a little bit more to go. We got uh, Greg's part here. Bringing it home. Telling you what happens there with the heavy water. Pretty exciting, right? It's heavy stuff. Ah, there you go. The old Marty McFly. It's heavy. Remember that movie, Greg? Am I old? Do I remember? Am I just spouting off? I remember Back to the Future, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. <laughs> Make All sure right. I'm not alone. Um, oh, you well, are, but <laughs> I, I remember the movie. So alone. <laughs> but we've seen the same movies, so at least we can have that break room conversation. You ever seen this very famous thing? Hey, what about <laughs> that squid game? What about... <laughs> hmm. yeah. I wish I could go back to the future before my wife left me. Oh, my bricks. Uh. That's the past, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, Back to the Future is a very confusing franchise because... It is. Two, it's very two, Three times they go back to the past. Uh-huh. And they have to try and get back to the present. Uh, but then the they present. go back to the future. But it's the present. It's the present from this view, Chris. From theirs, uh, it's the future. Uh, whatever. Are you fucking... <clears throat> Tarted? <laughs> It's been 98 episodes. They know I'm tarted. They're used to this shit by now. They're like, Greg is the glue that holds this thing together. Yeah. Otherwise, goddamn, this would be the most depressing podcast on the internet. You're right. And now yeah. it's only the second most depressing. <laughs> yeah. Unless you so- take what Joe Rogan says <laughs> as fact. I was about to say, suck it, Joe Rogan. Oh, glad we're on the same page after 90 episodes. All right. Well, I'm not going to drink heavy water going forward. I'm going to drink some light water, some spicy, bubbly water, maybe with a little bit of flavoring, a little bit of alcohol in it, something I like to call a second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. And a three, a two, a one. Oh, listen to that sizzle. Pure sex. Pure, unadulterated sex. (laughs) Not to be confused with the sex me and my uncle had. (laughs) I mean, it was was half adulterated. (laughs) Unadult. Oh, why haven't Mm. we been canceled yet? What has happened? This is very good berry punch. What is that shiny can you're drinking? Uh, Shotgun Spike Seltzer. Sounds awful. Ranch water, agave, and lime. It's not great, but it's 6.9%, so... Exactly what you need. More booze. I'm not talking. It's your turn to talk. Yeah, the the first half. (laughs) Any indication. Jesus. As soon as I get drunk enough to remember this book, oh, you guys are in for it. Here it comes. (laughs) I can't wait for... uh, Wolf Dick to edit this podcast. Yep. He's uh he's got a task on his hands. Bum, 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 but it's in reverse. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, guys, following the failure of Operation Freshman, Life Tronstad went back to the drawing board. Once again, 
the Brits asked if their World War II buddies in America could just bomb Vemork back to the Stone Age from the air. But Tronstad came up with another plan. They'd train five more Norwegian operatives, drop them onto the Vita Plateau, and then the nine men would sabotage the now heavily guarded Vemork plant. Because again, this uh, interest in that plant had been known to the Germans, so tough shit. Yeah, and by this point, the Germans had made radical advances in uh, atomic warfare, uranium enrichment. They're like, we know what's up, and we know now we know the Allies know what's up, so yes, heavy water. Got to defend that shit. Well, these five men were led by a former member of the Norwegian army named Joachim Ronneberg. For his team, he picked a former military man named Birger Stromsum, a veteran of the Finnish White War and Norwegian army named Frederick Kaiser, and a former mailman named Kasper Edland. The fifth member was Knut Huckland, who had been slated to be a member of Operation Grouse, but had shot himself in the foot while training with that group, literally and figuratively, by the way. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's not just an expression. You can actually mm. shoot yourself in the foot. Indeed. Back in Norway, Operation Grouse had been renamed Operation Swallow, which was somewhat ironic because the men were starving and had resorted to eating moss that grew on the snowy tundra. And just for our listeners, Swallow doesn't refer to what you're thinking of. It's, it's a bird. It's not these guys trying to get protein wherever they can. Like, you know, I've been known to do. I mean, they say that, you know, there's all the rumors about semen having protein, but uh, mm -hmm. even when it comes out that the average ejaculate only has 0.3 grams of protein. What a waste of time. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the news you choose not to believe. <laughs> you know, like, pfft, fake news. Here I am reading history books, and Greg's like, well, let me give you some real facts here. <laughs> just lay this shit down for you. I want to know more. <laughs> 0.3 grams per what measurement? Like, just... Average ejaculate. Okay. And the average ejaculate is 10 milliliters, or a loving spoonful. And there's a band from America from the 60s that named themselves the Loving Spoonful after the average amount of ejaculate. So, you're learning all sorts of stuff tonight. Is it really? Yes. Mine just kind of beads up on the tip, <laughs> which we've talked about. <laughs> yes. Inside the condom, because, you know, your wife doesn't want you to spill it anywhere and, you know, make a mess, and then she might want to get pregnant again. Yes, we've talked about it. Well, I mean, that's the reservoir tip. It's not <laughs> meant to expand, although it has the ability. <laughs> Like, that's how much ejaculate should come out. All right. It's just, just that little... To fill up that tiny <laughs> reservoir tip. You start putting more in there and, you know, it becomes a risk. You're making a mess. Ugh. Ugh. I don't want that touching my skin. Gross. Ew. Well, <laughs> after days of wasting away in a hidden cabin on the remote Vita Plateau, Jens Poulsen was finally able to find and kill a reindeer. He killed it. And he was so hungry that he drank its blood right then and there in the snow. He looked up, and there's this this yellow bear wearing a red shirt, but no pants. But he was fully erect. He said, I need you to save some of that for the forest. And Polson's like, what are you 
what is this? What is happening? And all of a sudden, all of these woodland creatures joined out. And there's like a pig and a donkey with its tail nailed on. <laughs> and they started chanting, Blood for the forest! Blood for the forest! Blood for the forest! Jesus. Call back to whenever. <laughs> right. Well, that's Gallipoli. <laughs> yeah. World War One. This is World War Two, Chris. Yeah, that's true. Um, the only respite that I took in this tale was knowing that at least it wasn't one of Santa's reindeers, you know? <sighs> you don't know that. I'm pretty confident. No, let's <laughs> continue on with the story. Okay. Fair enough. Well, then the next night, which was Christmas Eve. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. It's not very foggy tonight. Uh, you think I need to go, Santa? No, no, no. You can have the night off. Why don't you just go chill? Why don't you go hang out Was it Donner? Uh, actually, <laughs> World War II Nazis. I bet it was Blitzen. It was Blitzen. <laughs> it was Blitzen. Oh. <sighs> Well, that next night, the uh, men, they feasted on fried reindeer tongue, blood soup. Hmm. It's like mom used to make. <laughs> right. And boiled marrow. All that meat. And they're like, let's make blood soup. You know what? Let's just, uh, you don't waste well, any. I mean, it's <laughs> the first thing they've eaten in a fucking long time. Yeah. So, they really want to maximize. How are they going to store blood for blood soup? I don't know. You know what? They I'm know gonna... it might be a while until the next meal. I'm all recipes, ing, blood soup. See what we can find. See if that's a thing still. All right. I'm going to read the next sentence while you look that up. Okay. A few days later, they were joined by Einar Skinnerland, who had fled Ryukin to avoid being arrested by the Gestapo. And Chris. Uh, no, just Polish duck blood soup. I haven't found any reindeer blood soup. As of yet. But I'll keep looking. You know, we can, give, okay. we can post that on the Insta in case we, somebody in our listening audience kills a reindeer and doesn't know what to do with all that blood. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Norwegians back in England, now known as Operation Gunnerside, intensified their training, specifically with drills on how to plant plastic explosives on the electrolysis cells that contained the heavy water. On Christmas Day... They were all psyched to go to Norway, but the Swallow team let them know the weather was fucking shit, and so the mission was called off. It would continue to be called off until mid-February. All the while, the Swallow men... <laughs> uh, how do I join that team? They were growing sicker and weaker due to their diet of reindeer meat and moss. On February 16th, Operation Gunnerside lifted off from England and dropped into Norway. They spent the day in an abandoned cabin, and that night set out to meet up with Operation Swallow. Don't blame them. Yeah, I mean, left Operation Spit behind in England. Then <laughs> some some whiskey drinks. It's <laughs> like, hey, let's go meet up with that Swallow team. Yeah, some whiskey drinks. Yeah, some Heard good things. Lager drinks. Don't you, fucking, don't you fucking, don't you fucking do Chumbawamba. <laughs> don't do it, Chris. I'll quit the podcast right they now. They sang the songs about the good times, and they sang the songs about the best times. I'm not kidding. 
<laughs> I'll quit this fucking podcast. <laughs> I was raped, Chumbawamba. Oh, Danny boy. Well, Operation Gunnerside found themselves in a massive blizzard that was blowing at their backs. You know, at least it's propelling them forward. Well, it was at this moment that Joachim Ronenberg realized they were 20 miles away from their intended drop zone. 20 miles from the It's never happened before. Never happened familiar. Hmm. Uh, And, you know, with that being the case, they'd have to turn around and walk back into the storm, carrying 110 pounds of supplies each. Because oh, now the blizzard's a big deal. Yep. She turned it upside down. It didn't fall out of the cup. So now, she, now you got to pay for it, man. It's a, it's a Dairy Queen joke. Yeah, Dairy <laughs> Good old blizzard. Listen, they can't all be about swallow, okay? Or chumbawamba. We got to clean it up. We got to fucking... How the fuck is there a Heath bar option? <laughs> I've never seen a Heath bar in the wild. You've never I've seen a Heath? I love fucking Heath bars. Toffee? Oh, man. Is that like in the candy bar aisle? Yeah. Yeah. It's like at the I've bottom shelf. I've only seen it in blizzards. Yeah. Hmm. The 10 states that don't have Dairy Queens are those listeners just have giant question marks over their heads. That'd be really weird if we were, like, the only state with a Dairy Queen and we'd make a stupid <laughs> joke like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, little known fact, Greg, uh, Dairy Queen calls itself the Texas stop sign. You know, because you've seen the sign, you gotta stop and get a Dairy Queen. Look some Texas steak fingers. meth sign. Yeah. And their their slogan was always, that's what I like about Texas. Even in other states, they would play the same slogan. So you can be like in New Hampshire. Like, that's what I like about Texas. Like, oh, yeah. Give me some real, authentic Texas food. Like, uh, soft Chicken serve. fingers. <laughs> yeah. And upside down Heath bars. Who the fuck is Heath? I don't know. Well, these guys, a few hours later, they were fortunate to find the cabin that they had left in near whiteout conditions. They were forced to spend the next five days in that cabin and didn't emerge until 1 p.m. on the 22nd. As they were packing up their weapons, supplies for Operation Swallow, which is, you know, basically like uh, Tums, (laughs) (laughs) and the English military uniforms they'd use as disguises, a hunter knocked on the door. The hunter basically, he intimated that he was sympathetic to the Nazis. But Ronaberg decided not to kill him and instead had the hunter serve as a guide to lead them to their rendezvous with Operation Swallow. You ever seen that movie with Mark Wahlberg? I think it's called Lone Survivor, where he's a U.S. Mm-hmm. operative, I think in Afghanistan or whatever, trying to take it out is in ISIS. Afghanistan. Not ISIS. Just trying to take out uh, Al Qaeda, I guess. Spoilers for like a 10 year old movie, guys. Uh, they capture this kid who's herding goats up on the mountain, and they're and his like grandfather or something. They're trying to decide what to do with him, and and they decide to set him free. And what happens is he goes right back to the village and tells everybody what happens, and then they try and hunt him down. Like when I'm watching that movie, I'm like, "You fucking kill that kid! Kill that shit out of that kid! Shoot him right between his eyes! Kill that child!" God. Yes. <laughs> 
Jesus you know, Christ. You forget that it's a real life situation. It's not just fucking funky funk Mark Wahlberg. It's like, uh-huh. hey, oh, how's your mother? All right. Uh, and then he shoots the kid in the face. No, he doesn't do it. And then it causes all sorts of problems for him. You're like, at the end of the movie, you're just like, why didn't he fucking kill that kid? Because you forget it's real life. And I, I, when I was reading this part of the story, I forget that too. I'm like, you should have fucking killed the shit out of this guy. Oh, you're sympathetic Nazis? I feel good about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the morning of the 23rd, the two teams met by chance when Runneberg spotted Klaus Hedberg and Arne Gilstrup, who were out looking for the Gunnerside team, where they wrongly thought they might have dropped. That night, the men all feasted and shared a few drinks of whiskey. My men. <laughs> then they got to work coming up with a plan of attack. Best plans come when you're drunk. Hell yeah. That's how we started a podcast. That happened. Whoop. It's worked out really fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> the Vaymark plant was now heavily guarded with two soldiers always guarding the 75-foot suspension bridge that ran across a gorge between Ryukin and the plant. A railway ran along the cliff wall behind the plant, and 11 long pipelines ran down the cliff from above. The men thought about descending the pipes, but the mountain above it was covered in mines, and they'd be easy targets. They figured the easiest path would be to storm straight across the bridge, but that would turn into a firefight, and the 200 Wehrmacht soldiers in Ryukin would likely be alerted. After Newt Hockland did some scouting, they decided the only option was to climb down into the gorge, then back up the near-vertical cliff wall, break into a poorly guarded gate, sneak down the railway line, and then break into the plant. Easy peasy. Lemon breezy. At 8 p.m. on February 27th, the Norwegians set out on skis from their cabin in snow-patterned camouflage suits worn over their English military disguises. They carried their explosives, Thompson machine guns, pistols, knives, hand grenades, and chloroform pads. Mm. Never know. Never know how that night's going to go. I prefer the uh, chloroform tampon myself. <laughs> Less mess. Yeah, that's true. But you got to sneak it into the box. You know, or into their purse while they're not looking. Have you ever seen the blue liquid test on those pads? I, it's too much. You know I have. We talked it's about this. too much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the plan was for them to escape back to Sweden after the raid, so they carried provisions for that. They also carried cyanide capsules that they would swallow if they were caught. I mean, you know, true to the team name. Mm-hmm. Operation Swallow Cyanide oh. Gunnerside <laughs> Capsules. And you, these guys knew what the Gestapo would do to them. Yeah, they would, uh, they'd fuck them up. They found them. They would torture the fuck out of them. Well, they soon found themselves at the top of the 600-foot deep gorge. Carefully, they climbed down into it, at points having to simply slide on their backs because if they leaned forward even slightly, they'd fall to their deaths. After they were at the bottom, they crossed an ice bridge and moved downriver to the point where Hauklid assumed they could climb up. The climb was arduous. The warmer weather had begun to melt the snow on the cliffside, 
At certain spots, they had to jump across ledges and grab onto roots and pray they held. At about 11 p.m., they reached the top of the cliff and the railway that led to Vaymork. At 12.30 a.m., the men watched as the guards changed on the bridge. That was their cue to cut the gate lock and enter the compound. The men split into two teams. Shirts and skins. Mm. How do you even decide like what team to be on, you know? I always I want to take my shirt off. Yeah. But I want to see everybody else with their shirt off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why I'm, can't it just be like skins and skins and then we wear like a a sticker on our belly button <laughs> or something to differentiate? Just says you yes know? or no. Um no, I'm I'm We're all out of the no stickers, sorry. <laughs> definitely a shirts guy. I'm the guy who gets in the pool wearing the shirt. I was like, dude, like Nothing but 40-year-old guys here. Nobody cares. Oh, no, 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 You can't see the tattoos I have. I haven't gotten removed yet, so we're going to be just shirts. One of my tattoos basically means not welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ronneberg, Kaiser, Stromsom, and Idland were selected to go inside the plant and destroy the heavy water, while the remaining five men covered them from the outside. Ronneberg moved to the building. The windows had been painted black to prevent spies from seeing inside, but small flecks of the paint had come off, and he could see that the heavy water was watched by only one employee. He made his way to the basement door and found it locked. Kaiser tried the front door. It was also locked. Oh, shit. The two men then found a snow-covered ladder that led to a tunnel entrance, so into the tunnel they went. Runneberg and Kaiser crawled through the tunnel and dropped into the room containing the heavy water cells. They quickly took the employee hostage, and Rodeberg went to work laying the explosives. Just then, they heard glass breaking, and they thought they were dead for sure. They grabbed their guns, only to find Stromsom and Edland breaking into the room through the windows. And they were traitors, and they had turned on them, and they killed them, and that was the end of the story. Well, that's not true. Oh, fuck. I didn't finish yeah. this book. I was just guessing. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, like literally because the, you know, the glass was painted black, like one of the dudes had to stand kind of in front of the window mm-hmm. so that the, the light didn't pour through it because that would alert, you know, the actual guards of the place. Yeah. But yeah, and the other one helped in planting the explosives. Then they all ran. Two minutes later, the explosives detonated in the basement causing only a dull roar outside. The Norwegians had done it. They had destroyed all the cells holding the heavy water and had set the German nuclear program back significantly without firing a single shot. But now, they had to get out. Quickly, the team retraced its steps back down the gorge and down the river. They knew their skis would leave tracks in the snow, and Stromsom had cut himself, which, you know, just like in the movies, left a blood trail. And real life. You know, also in the movies, but also real life. You cut yourself. in the movies is when this happens. (laughs) How often in real life do you see somebody cut themselves and leave a trail for the potential killer to follow? Um, I guess I'm the only one spending my weekends at the truck stop, but okay. Don't, uh, you don't want to give away. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Evidence. Yeah. 
Next week's our serial killer episode, so I don't want to get caught before we start. We're experts in that. (laughs) Boy, are we experts. Well, the team was fortunate that it took the Germans a few minutes to even notice that Vamork was on fire. At about 7 a.m., another blizzard hit the Vita Plateau as the Norwegians made their way across it. They struggled for every step and barely made it back to their cabin. You know, get some of that mm, good reindeer jerky. Mm-hmm. Mm. A little bit of that Norwegian jerky. Mission accomplished. <laughs> they owe it to themselves. <laughs> yeah. Sprinkle a little moss on top yeah. of both. <laughs> of both. Why aren't we using the blood anymore? Where's the blood? Well, the good thing for them was that the snow covered their tracks and made it almost impossible for the Gestapo to track them down. The following day, they split up once more. Most of the men headed for the Swedish border, but Haukeled and Kjellstrup chose to stay in Norway to organize more resistant cells. Over the following months, Haukeled and Kjellstrup dodged the Gestapo, who had turned up the heat on the Vita Plateau, you know, naturally. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out a hunter had returned to his village and told the Nazis about a bunch of English soldiers who spoke perfect Norwegian. Hmm. Yeah, just like the little kid in Lone Survivor. Should have killed that motherfucker. Saved a lot of trouble. What? It's a moral quandary. Is it? Is it? No, not really. (laughs) Kill the shit out of kids. I don't mind killing kids. No, I'm just kidding, listener. Yeah. What I'm not kidding about, though, is Klaus Holberg was also being hunted as he made his way across the Vita and had to shoot and kill a Wehrmacht soldier after a riveting ski chase. But eventually, all the Norwegian saboteurs, they made it out safely. And Greg, little known fact, at first the Gestapo didn't interrogate or torture Norwegian citizens in relation to the bombing because they believed the attack uh, had been carried out by the English. But eventually, they changed their policy. They began to torture everyone they could, to no avail. No one gave them up. Good for them. I would give you up in a heartbeat. Oh, God, no. I've already sent your name to neo-Nazis in the U.S. (laughs) So, like, I'm just kind of hedging my bets for the future. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case (laughs) You never know Yeah, you never know Anywho The Germans weren't easily deterred They went right back to work Building electrolysis cells To produce new heavy water Einar Skinnerlin Began to send word that by August of 1943 They'd have everything up and running again Live Tronstad met with Allied Command and they agreed to let him continue sabotage efforts and not bomb the plant from the air. So nice of them. You know, I'm not going to bomb them. You guys did good the first time. I'm sure you can take out the second time. We are not going to bomb them. The Allies bombed the plant from oh. the air on November 16th, 1943. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that's right. That's right. 176 American bombers. 176. That's a lot of fucking planes. Dropped their ordnance on the plant in the city of Ryukin, destroying the bridge, the generators, and the pipelines, but leaving the heavy water equipment mostly intact. 
Oh. <laughs> I forgot something. What? What's up? They killed a shitload of Norwegian citizens. No! Yeah. Not the exact same thing that Lifetron said had said would happen if you tried to bomb the plant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know yeah. what? Still, we did it. We did it. Mission accomplishing the banner. Yep. I'm proud to be an American. Well, at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the Norwegians who gave their lives for me. Well, the plant was in ruins. So, uh, naturally, the Germans had a, had a bit of a, a pickle, a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Should they rebuild it once again? Or should they move the equipment and barrels of heavy water to Germany where they could continue to work probably a little more safely in the confines of their natural, normal borders, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, they chose the second option. In February of 1944, 14 rail cars were loaded with drums of heavy water and equipment and then transported to a ferry aptly named the SF Hydro. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The super fucking hydro. That's right. Luckily for the Allies, Newt fucking Hoglid was still in the area, and Life Tronstad didn't know when to quit. On February 19th, Hoglid snuck onto the boat and planted a bomb in the bottom cargo area. <laughs> I've done that before. Uh, yeah, I know. That's why you have a kid. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was the front bottom cargo area the back bottom the actual bottom cargo area that's that's how you do it while you stay pure before you get married you can say i'm not a fan of that front bottom (laughs) (laughs) i can pretend you're anybody from back here (sighs) even clive owen (laughs) i'll be right back Ooh, all right. <laughs> back. Welcome back. Sorry, I'm no longer wearing a shirt. <laughs> when I do that thing, I like to pretend like it's, you know, real. <laughs> what would I do in that real situation? Yes, I have my socks on because in that situation, yes, I wear socks. It's cold. It's cold out there. Well, the next morning, as the ferry was halfway across the lake, the bomb that Hawkland had planted... Remember that one, Chris? From 30 seconds ago? Yeah, I got it. I got with you. It detonated. <laughs> what? And it sent the hydro to the bottom with all the heavy water Germany had in its possession. You know, because the water's heavier than normal water, so it sinks. That's... Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how that works. That's unfortunate for the Germans. It is. Very concerned about their war efforts, as we've established. <laughs> Something like that. (laughs) Well, for Hockled and Tronstadt, it was a bittersweet victory because 14 Norwegian citizens had died in the sinking. But in the end, the mission was a success and Germany was denied the atomic bomb thanks to the brave and dedicated Norwegians who dared to stand against the Nazis. Most people don't know their names and honestly, we think that's a damn shame because they were all heroes. And they deserve to be recognized for the amazing things they accomplished. Hmm. Just like us. And 
of story. Woo! We did it. They didn't think we could do it. 98 episodes in the books. Almost. Uh, two more to go, and then we're done with this shit. We are released from our contract we signed with Satan. And we can just move on with our lives. But until then, there's a little bit more. Just the tiniest, teensiest bits left to go. And I like to call them Fast Christmas Facts. Christmas penis. Oh, yeah, Fast Facts. <laughs> fast Fact number one. The German atomic program was headed up by a couple of dudes, including Werner Heisenberg, who worked hard to produce a uranium reactor and a bomb, but ultimately fell short. Following the war, he claimed he never wanted to build a bomb and signed a petition to prevent Germany from obtaining nuclear weapons. Then he started making meth in New Mexico. Heisenberg, get it? Fast fact number two. In the months before Germany invaded Norway, French spies secreted several flasks of heavy water out of Weimark and offered to buy Norsk Hydro's entire supply, while also not telling the company why they wanted it. Unfortunately, within nine months, both France and Norway would be under Nazi control. Fast fact number three. Following the raid... Newt Hockley and Einar Skinnerland moved in together in a cabin while they prepared to create more resistant cells. Unfortunately, they were constantly snowed in, almost starved, and almost killed each other when they fought over Hockley, smashing a record that Skinnerland refused to stop playing. Sucking on to the dog, outside the taste free. Fast fact number four. Following the successful destruction of the heavy water, Leif Tronstad went back to Norway to personally join the fight. He was shot and killed by the brother of a sheriff he arrested for being a Nazi sympathizer. Also, he shot the sheriff. He did not (laughs) shoot no deputy. Shout out to Eric Clapton, you piece of shit. (laughs) Fucking asshole. (laughs) Sucking on chili dough. <laughs> Wait, that's not Eric. <laughs> Might as well be. For his sacrifice, he was posthumously awarded the War Cross, the Norwegian War Medal, the Defense Medal, the Order of the British Empire, British Distinguished Service Order, and the U.S. Medal of Freedom. And for that, we salute you. Won the same award as Rush Limbaugh. Congratulations. Oh, Yay. God. <laughs> All right, that does it for this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. A little known story, but we think you should know it because it's so fucking cool. Uh, Next week is our super secret Halloween serial killer episode. It's uh, I think it's going to be a very good one. It's going back to the days of H.H. Holmes. So we got a little bit of, you know, fun times with bad cops and just crazy shit happening. So uh, be ready for that in the meantime check us out at 100 proof history on social media there you'll find memes and funny shit that we like to do during the week you can also find us at 100 proofhistory.com you can find you know just the old episodes a little bit of a back info on us but also you can find a link to our patreon or for just three dollars a month you get early access to new episodes all the old shit we did like a hundred something episodes and 
a bonus for you guys video episodes we're doing right now on current events. We're having a lot of fun with that. So check that shit out. I am your sexiest co-host intern, Christopher, for Wolf Dick, our esteemed invalid producer. I say thank you for listening. Main host, Gregory. What else? <laughs> no, no, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I think you're uh, operating under false pretenses. Mm. If they want to hear anything funny, any parting words from me, mm-hmm. they can pay $3 a month and go listen to that Patreon. That's how you get them. That's how you get them. Whoop. Goodbye, fellow patriots. I salute your service. But as a listener, goodbye. Goodbye. Sucking on chili dogs. I have had quite a bit to drink already. Because we've been bullshitting so much, I was drinking the whole time. You're drinking a goddamn beer. Well, I had a double old-fashioned while we were talking to. A what? A double old-fashioned. It sounded like you said doubled-fashioned. That's how (laughs) drunk you are. God damn it, I'm not drunk. (laughs) Fuck you. The Allies needed a way to take out production of that liquid and the brave resistance fighters in Norway were ready and... God damn it. Sorry. It's okay, man. Not a big deal. It kind of is. We're not even through the fucking intro. You can't even put on your headphones. (laughs) Yes. Get light chess. Light on your chess? phone right now. Lie chess. L-I chess. All one okay. word. Okay, I am signed up. Do I need to add you as a friend or something? Yes. You're not going to be surprised. My name is Boner Flavor. <laughs> <laughs> all one word. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> I had a friend. This shit is gay. <laughs> Players, search for boner flavor. <laughs> yeah. Follow. <laughs> I'm following you now. Okay. What's something funny I can say? Suck it on you, dog. No, that won't work. Sorry. I got nothing.